Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 1 as we continue our Advent sermon series uh, through the first chapter and part of the second chapter of Luke's gospel. We are going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, verse 57 through 80. It is on page 1089 if you're going to use one of the big blue Bibles that we have underneath the chair in front of you. So hear now God's holy and true word from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea and all were And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks and praise that you would gather us here to be in your presence, to worship you, to hear from you through your word. We pray now that you will bless our time, that you'll help us to see the majesty and the power of Lord Jesus Christ in this passage. Would you Uh, endear our hearts to him and help us to cherish him and what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do one day in the future. We pray that you'd use this time, Lord, to equip us to take the good news, the gospel, to our neighbors as well as to the nations, for it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, this is the second to last sermon in our Advent series. We're going to finish things up on Christmas Eve 
And uh, this morning we're going to look at the last story before the birth of Christ in Luke's gospel. We've seen uh, some interesting things in this journey since we began in the last Sunday of November. Uh, we've talked about how uh, in, in these stories we've seen good news for people waiting on the Lord. Uh, we've talked about good news for people who feel God calling them into action, calling them to do something maybe that uh, is out of their comfort zone. We've talked about good news for people going through hard times. That's what uh, Mike talked about last week as we looked at Mary's song. And this morning we're going to look at good news for people who long to change. Uh, People that want to be different, which I would imagine in at least some ways is every single one of us. And we're going to celebrate this unstoppable promise that God has made to his people. You know... I, I want to change. Uh, I want to be a different person. I've shared with you before, um, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I shared with you that I was really wrestling with a lot of anger and um, that it was unfortunately coming out and uh, my family was primarily you know, paying the real price for it, uh, just wrestling with anger and uh, a few other things. And, and you know, God really did come to my rescue. He really did set me free from that um, for a while. Uh, he, he, uh, it is back. I've been, I've been feeling that lately. And uh, so you can pray for me about that. But also, if you're like me, if there are some things, uh, maybe you're wrestling with anger and worry, just like me, or maybe you're wrestling with something else. Maybe you're just really wishing you could be a better spouse or maybe a better friend Maybe you are wrestling uh, with just who you are as a person and how you tend to be really selfish and you really don't want to be always focused on yourself anymore. Maybe you're stuck in some sort of uh, destructive behavior and you just feel like you know you need to stop, but you just can't seem to get there. Sound familiar? Um, Well, let's take a look at this passage. We're going to zoom in on Zechariah's prophecy. We're not really going to address uh, the first part where we looked at John's birth. We're really going to focus on what Zechariah says because within his prophecy and within the things that he says, there really is good news uh, for people who want to change. In Christ, there is good news of great joy for those who want to change. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. Uh, And so we'll look at that prophecy part of this passage and talk about three things. If you're making an outline, we're going to talk about the power of the Redeemer, and then we'll talk about the purpose of redemption, and third, we'll talk about the peace of the redeemed, the power of the Redeemer, the purpose of of redemption, and the peace of the redeemed. So let's jump in, look at 67 uh, through 71 here. First thing we want to see is this, if you want to change, uh, you must believe that on the cross, Christ broke the power of sin. This is huge. If you want to change, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, if you want to change, you have to believe that on the cross, Christ broke the power of sin. You have to see how powerful he is. Let's talk about the power of the Redeemer. And looking at this first part of the uh, prophecy that Zechariah utters, notice in 67, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's very important. And look at what he says in this prophecy. It's all about Jesus. And what he says is, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. 
Okay, right there is just absolutely amazing. The word visited and redeemed, those words are very important for us. Visited meaning that he came to us. Not just that he came to be in our presence, but he came to attend to our needs. That's the nuance of the Greek word that's used there. So when we see that God has visited us, it means that he's come to attend to our needs. And one of the needs, one of our greatest needs that he attended to in Christ is our redemption. We need to be redeemed. But what is redemption? What does redemption do for us? And that is something that is is so important that we understand. A lot of times we, we sing about being redeemed and we sometimes just connect it with being forgiven. But those are different things. We are forgiven if we have faith in Christ, but redemption is something different. Redemption is when something is brought back into the possession of the person who originally had it. Redemption is when something is ransomed. Some sort of ransom is paid so that someone can retrieve something that was once theirs. That's what redemption is. All through the Old Testament, the people of God wanted to be redeemed from their enemies. They had been taken captive. They had been uh, um, um, you know, yeah, taken captive in exile. They, they wanted to be redeemed. They wanted to be back within God's presence and God's control. And in the New Testament, we see that when Jesus comes, there's an even bigger picture about our ultimate enemies, that we need to be redeemed. We need to be brought back from the control and the presence of our ultimate enemy, which is ultimately the devil and our sin. See, people, you know, apart from faith in Christ, you don't belong to God. You belong to the devil. In fact, we just sang this. We just sang this in that song, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power where we had gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. That's the reality. What prevents us from change is the power that the devil has over us. In fact, Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy. It's kind of disturbing, but this is what he says. Uh, He's talking about when we are dealing with people who oppose Christianity, who don't believe in it. And here's what he says to, to press on and continue to share the gospel. He says, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Did you hear that? Listen again. They may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. In other words, people apart from faith in Christ really are, they've been taken captive by the devil. That's what happened when Adam and Eve Sin. They gave humanity over to the devil. And so people in the world are powerless against the devil's temptation. They're powerless against the devil's influence and control in their lives. This is why the world is so messed up. Because the majority of the world is still under the power of the devil. In fact, a friend of mine just recently, uh, I got to minister to him after he basically destroyed his life. Uh, He allowed some sinful behavior uh, to really destroy his life. He lost his career and his marriage basically in the same week. And so I got to spend some time with him, which was wonderful because I wanted to uh, love him and be there for him and and tell him the good news of the gospel that he could be forgiven even for those things that he had done. And one of the things that was really interesting about what he said is, and he was not a believer at the time, and what he told me was, Matt, I knew I shouldn't do these things, 
And as I was doing these things, like there was something in me saying, don't do this, don't do this, but I could not stop. And that's the reality, that apart from faith in Christ, we are powerless against the devil's influence and his temptations, which is why redemption is something that we need. We need to be back in God's possession and have access to God's power. We need to be redeemed. And so we need a powerful redeemer. And that's what we have through faith in Christ. I love, I love the Heidelberg Catechism. We've used that a little bit uh, here. We'll use it again. We've, we've used question and answer number one a lot. It is absolutely amazing. And it totally addresses what we're talking about here. The question, number one, of the Heidelberg Catechism is, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sin by his precious blood. That's forgiveness. And has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. Okay, And it goes on from there and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. But that line right there, that he has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. That is redemption. Our ability through faith in Christ to have victory over the power of the devil in our lives. If you have faith in Christ and you have been redeemed, that's Christmas. God sending his son to redeem us on the cross. Christ broke the power of sin. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, in Romans 6 can say such an amazing thing. Sin will no longer have dominion over you. Which means we can turn away from our sin, we can fight against the things that are preventing us from being able to change. And this is phenomenal news for somebody who wants to change. Because what it means is that through faith in Christ, the reality of our redemption, we can change. Christ has broken that power of sin. And so one of the things that you have to understand, we have to believe then, is that Christ is that powerful, that he really was that powerful, is that powerful to break the power of sin over us so that we can be free from it. And that's exactly what Zechariah points out next in verse 69. Check it out. He says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now, in the house of his servant David, he's referring to the fact that God had promised that this king would come to deliver his his people. And that he would be in the line of David. He would be one of David's descendants. But that phrase, a horn of salvation, is an absolutely wonderful phrase for somebody who wants to change. Here's why. The horn, the type of horn he's talking about, it would be the horn of an animal. A really strong, you know, unbelievably powerful animal. An ox or a bull or something like that. In fact, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, quoting from Psalm 18. Zechariah is quoting from Psalm 18, which is uh, verse 2, is all about the strength and power of God. Listen to this. Psalm 18, verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So it's all about us understanding that this Redeemer has unmitigated power. When I think of power and horns, I think of one of my most terrifying moments in my life. Um, I think I was like four or five years old, and I was at my mom's uncle's farm, Uncle Gene. And Uncle Gene had some horses, and he also had a 
absolutely gigantic black bull. And this thing, the horns on this thing were just fearsome. And it was, it, I mean, it had a pen. It took up most of the bull pen. I mean, this thing was the biggest thing I'd ever seen. And I remember uh, walking up to the fence, you know, a good solid fence between me and this bull. And I was still absolutely petrified looking at this bull. And then, to my terror, that thing looked at me. And its eyes were like piercing my soul. And then it goes, and I just absolutely, I mean, I absolutely lost it. I was completely, you know, just tears flying out of my face. I'm screaming. I need new pants. It was a bad day for little me. And the reason was because the, the, the power of this thing was absolutely fearsome. And so to say that Jesus is the horn of our salvation is to say that whatever sin you are up against, it is but a a, a scrawny little boy compared to this massive, powerful bull that can crush it in a heartbeat. If you want to change, you've got to believe in the power of the Redeemer that Christ has on the cross broken the power of sin. Because what that means is you are no longer under the power of sin if you believe in Christ, which means you can change. You can grow. It's interesting, in uh, India, and I'm sure other places too, they tie massive elephants with little ropes. And it's it looks pretty interesting because you see this huge elephant and he's just tied to a pole or a tree with a little rope that if he just, you know, one little nudge, he could pop that rope like it was a piece of string. But they don't. Why? Well, they get conditioned from a very young age to believe that if there's something around their leg, they can't get away. And the way they do it is when they are little, not that elephants are ever really that little, but when they're babies... They tie them up with an incredibly strong chain that can't be broken. And they get used to the idea that when they can't, if if anything pulls on their leg, then they're just going to stay put because they they think they can't get away. Well, once they get older and they're conditioned to believe that they can't get free if they're tied up, all you got to do is tie a little rope on them and then tie it to a tree and they just can't get away. And it is unbelievable how the devil, even in the lives of believers, wants you and me to believe that we can't get away. He has he's tried to condition us to believe that if we're stuck in something, that there's nowhere to go. But when we see the power of the Redeemer and that he's broken the power of sin on the cross, we can snap that thing. And we can be free. We can actually change, which is the purpose of redemption. Let's take a look at the next uh, verses here, 72 through 75. Uh, This is the purpose of redemption. Here's the second thing. Uh, If you want to change, you must believe God redeems us so that we can grow in holiness. This is the purpose of setting us free from the power of sin so that we can grow in holiness. Anything that we wish was different about us, any of the things that we want to do better or more of, it all has to do with a longing to be holy, a longing to be more like God who is completely free from the power of sin. First, before we get to the purpose in the 
passage, uh, we get to look at that it's all based on this promise, this unstoppable promise of God. And so look at 72 and 73. It says, to show mercy, the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. In other words, that redemption, this is key, redemption, being liberated from the power of sin, is not a result of our performance. It is the result of a fulfillment of God's promise. That's very important. It's not like God tells us in his word, listen, if you shape up, I'll finally let you free from your sin. No, what he's saying is the good news of the gospel is that Christ came to liberate us, to set us free from the power of sin by breaking the power of sin on the cross. Why? Well, because he said he would. God promised even in the garden and right after Adam and Eve sinned, there's a promise that this person is going to come and destroy the devil. There's promises all through the scriptures that God is going to do these things that he's going to. For example, Abraham is mentioned here. The promise that Abraham would be a blessing. The promise that God would be a God to Abraham and his offspring after him. This promise that he would be holy. Redemption is not about our performance, about God fulfilling a promise to his people and that promise being that we be liberated from the power of sin. So it is a result of a promise of a very gracious God. Now look at the purpose. Why? Why redeem us? Why liberate us? Why break the power of sin? 74. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him All our days. In other words, God has not set us free from the power of sin so that we can continue to live in sin and be miserable. He set us free so that we can be what we were intended to be. So that we can serve him. That word can also mean worship. You worship what you serve. You serve what you worship. So we can worship and serve God who loves us and cares for us. And we can do so without fear. That's boldly. Another translation of that word would be boldly. We can boldly serve, boldly worship God Almighty in holiness. Meaning that we can be like him. That we can be different from the world and righteousness. Obeying his commands, his righteous commands. Before him in his presence, that means we, with the Holy Spirit within us at all times, we are in his presence all of our days. That means forever and ever and ever. I mean, that's really, this is an explanation or a description of what the new heavens and new earth will be like. We will serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days for eternity. And the reality is that when, when, when you are doing the things, when we are doing the things that we were designed to do, that we were meant to do, there's a tremendous amount of joy in that. I had a dog growing up. Uh, her name was Mitzi. And Mitzi was a Britney Spaniel. You ever seen a Britney Spaniel? Britney Spaniels are not real big. They're kind of a hunting dog. Um, and they are white and sort of orange. Um, it's kind of brown, but it's orange. Like people, if you have a Britney Spaniel, people are like, is that your dog? Yeah. Is she orange? Yeah. Yeah, she's orange. It's just an awkward thing about Britney Spaniels. But another thing about Britney Spaniels, or at least mine, Mitzi, is she turned into this unbelievable, you know, beacon of joy and happiness when we would go to the lake. 
And we would get there, we would drive, my family would drive up and we would open the van door. And before it's even open, she's like wheeling her way through, like bruising the sides of her head. And she gets out and she immediately, she just runs through the wood and you can hear her jumping around and chasing squirrels. And she runs back by us and, and then she's, you know, splashing in the water and doing all sorts of fun stuff. And then we don't hear her for a while. And then all of a sudden you can hear her come, she runs by and every once in a while she'd come back and stop and just, there'd be a smile. She'd be like, I mean, you could just see and you're looking at this dog. You're like, that dog. The dog is smiling. That's a real legitimate smile on that dog's face. And the one thing that you can't get around is the reality that that dog is absolutely in her element, experiencing more joy than we could possibly imagine. That's the purpose of redemption. That we get let go from the power of sin so that you and I can do what we were designed to do so that we can do what we were made to do, live the way we were made to live, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so we need to believe that if we want to change. We need to believe that that's why He's let us go. That's why He's let us go from the power of sin so that we can grow in holiness and be what we were designed to be. So, if you want to change, you have to believe that on the cross... Our powerful Redeemer broke the power of sin. If you want to change, you have to believe God redeems us so that we can grow in holiness. And third, let's talk about the peace of the redeemed. The peace of the redeemed, look at 76 through 79. If you want to change, you must believe God will continue to love and accept you even if you don't because of Jesus. Let me say it again. If you want to change, you must believe that because of Jesus, God will love and accept you even if you don't. Because it's not you changing that makes God accept you or love you. It's Christ. It's the finished work of Christ and the unbelievable gift of forgiveness, which stems from the tender mercy of our God. What a line. Look at the verses. 76. Now, Zechariah is saying what John's going to do. And you, he says, child, you will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That word peace is beautiful. It's in both the Old and New Testaments. It's shalom, it's security, it's safety, it's prosperity, it's felicity. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And this reality that John... His ministry, the way that he prepared the way for the Lord is by telling people that anybody, no matter what they've done or how many times they've done it, anybody that will repent can be forgiven of all of their sins. Anybody who will, and it's the same today, anybody who will repent is washed clean of all of their sins because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross on our behalf. Jerry Bridges says that we tend to drag up our old sins and we tend to live under a vague sense of guilt 
we are not nearly as vigorous in appropriating God's forgiveness as he is in extending it. I love that. Let me say it again. He says we are not nearly as vigorous in appropriating God's forgiveness as he is in extending it. Consequently, instead of living in the sunshine of God's forgiveness through Christ, we tend to live under an overcast sky of guilt most of the time. The way that we are set free from that guilt is to realize that God truly does forgive us, takes pleasure in forgiving us. One of my seminary professors used to tell the story of when his daughter uh, decided that she had signed up for this honors English class, but she thought it was too hard and wanted to drop down to a different level. And so she said to her dad, who's a pastor and seminary professor, she said, Dad, I'm going to drop down and take an easier English class. And he says, all right, sounds good. I support you. Let's go talk to your teacher. So they went and talked to the teacher, and the girl explained that she wants to drop down, take an easier course. She just doesn't think she can actually do it. She can't do the work for the English class that she was in. And the, her dad said, and I, I'm in, I support her. And then the teacher said, let me, let me make you a deal. She said, what if you stay in the class and no matter what happens at the end of the semester, I give you an A. And so, you know, the girl looks at her dad and he's, that's a pretty good deal, right? And so uh, she takes it and she uh, stays in the class and she works hard. And interestingly enough, she actually gets a whole lot better at English. In fact, by the end, she'd actually earned that A herself. Here's the similarity and the difference. The similarity is this, that because of forgiveness, the reality of forgiveness, what the Bible's teaching is that even if we don't succeed in overcoming something, we still get an A. That in Christ, through faith in Christ, God has given every single one of us an A in life. Because Christ lived a perfect, flawless life, and that righteousness is given to you for free by faith. And all of your sin is taken away, removed, paid for by Christ on the cross. The difference is she actually earned an A in the end. You and I could never earn an A in life. You and I are sinners. We will be sinners until the day that Jesus comes to make all things new. But if we want to change... If we want to feel the pressure released, we have to believe that because of Jesus, God still loves and accepts us fully, even if we aren't able to change. And it's that power that helps us begin to really grow. And there's effort. If you want to change, God calls you to work at it. I'm going to give you some Basic uh, things. Number one, if you want to change, you need to believe what we're talking about. You need to believe these things. You need to believe that Jesus has saved you and has redeemed you, has liberated you from sin's power. You've got to believe that. Otherwise, you try to do it on your own power and forget about it. Uh, number two, you've got to identify your sin. You've got to know what it is you're really wrestling with, and that's going to take community. Okay, it's going to take people around you. This is why in your life group, this would be a great place to just say to the people, here's what I struggle with, my brothers and sisters. You know, number three, make sure that they understand what grace is. Uh, confess that sin to someone who understands the grace of God. 
Don't confess that sin to somebody who's going to say, well, shape up, man. What's wrong with you? Okay, that person does not understand the grace of God. You want to confess your sin to somebody who's going to say, I struggle with that too. Or I struggle with things like it. But God is gracious and he's forgiven us in Christ. Let's partner together and work through this. And third, ask that person to hold you accountable. Accountability is very, very important when you're actually trying to grow and actually trying to uh, change. That's really what repentance is, by the way. Repentance is really acknowledging these things, believing the gospel and acknowledging that you do want to change in order to glorify God and enjoy him. It's confessing and then it's working out these things in fear and trembling. And it takes people. Growing in holiness is a team sport. But let me tell you something. Uh, when I am wrestling with things, I'm wrestling with my anger right now, and you can ask me how I'm doing when you see me. Because I believe that God's going to help free me from that power once again. And one of the favorite, one of my favorite lines from, from Christianity from one of the theologians of a few hundred years ago, a guy named Richard Sibbs, is this. And if you want to change, you remember this. There is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you have forgiven us and you are renewing us and sending us and loving us and accepting us. Father, would this Christmas be a Christmas where we celebrate the power of of Christ in us and the power over sin that we have through faith. Give us a deep longing for the holiness that you intend us to have and have promised we will have in this life or the next. And would you help us remember that you love us because of your grace, not because of any goodness that we have. We have none. Father, if there is anyone here this morning who has not repented, who is not walking with you, who is not being redeemed, I pray for their heart. I pray that this would be a day in which they make a decision to repent, to turn away from their sins, and to experience forgiveness and redemption and all of the other beautiful facets of the gospel. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.